welcome uh, Rusty Sampson to the stage. <laughs> Today, um, one of the things that as I and Russ and I were talking, I kind of wa want to talk about um, this idea with gains and losses when it comes down to um, soundboard. Yeah, anybody familiar with equipment, sound equipment? Raise your hand really high, keep him high. Hold on one second. Yeah, this isn't awkward at all. Okay, Rusty, the stage is yours, buddy. All right. Rusty, this is called a sound board. Could you say that a little louder? I can't hear you. <laughs> can you guys turn me up so he can hear? So we have one of these in the back. And, uh, and you have a lot of these buttons that once you kind of fine tune them, it, you don't really mess with them much. But each channel, microphones or drums, um, keys, you know, violins, bass, they all have a channel where you can um, uh, apply gains into the sound so that whenever the final product is, it sounds really, really great. Um, for example, like in an orchestra, like this has only 12 channels. If you can see 12 channels, and then you have like the main left-right type of a thing that controls the whole thing, but then you can go in and manipulate each individual channel. Uh, if you guys ever uh, been to orchestras uh, and, and, and set in on a symphony, uh, those are like awesome, but they have, they have sometimes even hundreds of instruments, but if not hundreds, at least dozens, over 100 instruments easily, and so, um, and so they have to be really meticulous in how they, how they play because they can control their gain on how they play, but also whenever they're mic'd, uh, sound engineer can control what he wants loud or, or quiet. Um, and so, so that's why when you go to a concert or whatever, it's mixed differently based on how a person wants it to sound. So if a person really loves guitars, he'll be like, where's the guitar at? Oh, you're not loud enough. You're not loud enough. You're not loud enough. And then someone from the stage is going to be like, man, the guitar is too loud. They're going to go back there and be like, hey, can you turn on the guitar? And the guy's going to be like, okay. And he's going to come back and turn it up even louder. <laughs> Just to mess with you. <laughs> Um, and so, so there's a lot of power of, of the gains and losses when it comes down to volume. And what's actually pretty interesting too, and then we're going to get to this conversation, um, is that if you, if you are a musician or you like a particular instrument, and as you're sitting there, even for worship, whatever comes across the speakers is one thing. But one of the, the, the capabilities that we have as humans, we actually mix in our own version of whatever's coming through our ears. If you're a keyboardist, you're, you're going to listen and focus on the keyboard, and the keyboardist is going to actually become louder just for you and not for anybody else. If you're a drummer, you're going to isolate the drum in your mind. So mentally, we're always doing this with a lot of these different voices in our lives going up and down. So you have your, your, the voice of your past to be really, really loud in someone's life this morning. And it's so loud that, you, that it drowns out your present and you can't even comprehend thinking about tomorrow. For other people, maybe your parents' negative voice, you know, is, is, really, is really loud. But maybe for others, all you are is just a, 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 you know, a ball of positivity. And you have three channels for positivity. And you have them way up. And on top of that, you're a morning person, so you're all always like, hi, coffee? No, I haven't had any. I want some. No, no, no. 
Uh, and so what we, what we want to kind of touch on and talk about is, is kind of um, evaluating what this looks like in our life, what is really loud right now in our life that maybe is too loud. And this is not necessarily good versus bad. Don't think that this is as simple as just, you know, turning down the bad and only upping the good. But what do you do if all your channels are a lot of good things? What is, how do you make it to go from good to great? And so there's a lot of fine-tuning. And, and for a lot of fine-tuning to happen, kind of what happened this morning is we have to kind of, we have to pause. And what we talked about a couple weeks ago, we take a breath and just kind of like evaluate where we are right now. We're a lot of times so busy thinking about our past regrets or thinking about our future that sometimes we fail to pretty much evaluate what is our starting point. And each person has a different starting point. Give us a little bit about kind of a, a, a 30-second trail, trailer of, of your life. Okay. I'm going to sit back. Okay. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. So a little over 62 years ago, I was born, and here I am today. You can kind of see what's going to happen next week, right? He's going to uh, wash the floor with me. I'll be on vacation. Okay. Um, <laughs> you want more than that? Just a little bit more. Um, raised in a small town in East Tennessee. Uh, Grew up there, then went on to teach about 20 miles away from my hometown. Taught uh, middle school for 14 years and then high school for another 23 and a half years. Uh, coached a number of different sports, probably for about 15 years or so. Then spent about 10 years as assistant athletic director. Uh, then last December, whew, December was a busy month. Uh, got married on December 15th. Yes, Ooh. I got Note that I got that date right. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, then retired, sold my house, moved to Asheville, and threw in Christmas because the rest of the month was sort of boring. So, yeah, <laughs> December was a really big month. <laughs> and uh, it's it been here since the first of the year. How do you like it so far? Uh, I like it. It's a little bit of adjustment. It's way different from the town that I was in. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Getting there, making adjustments. You, um, you mentioned to me that there's a lot of different adjustments that have been happening in your life, and it's like that with most people in our lives, different adjustments at different times, different seasons. Um, and as I was uh, talked to you about talking about the subject of gains, there's a few things that, you, that was kind of on your heart to share. Um, I'd love to hear that. Okay. So before the service this morning, Sergio was talking about, you know, how losses can turn into gains. And two things came to mind that I've experienced uh, right away. One, one actually deals with tithing in the church. Um, there was a time that I just wasn't into tithing at all, uh, and I wasn't there because when the bills came in each month, it was okay. So... I only paid part of the light bill last month, so I got to pay all of it this month, so I got to pay part of something else. And it was just sort of a rotating schedule of, you know, there was the dollars coming in didn't equal the bills coming in. Um, it wasn't due to lack of effort. At one time, I had five jobs at one time. Wow. Um, I was, what were they? I was 
teaching full-time. I was coaching three different sports, and I was a media director for a large church. Uh, Sundays, I would get to church at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we had to do three TV edits. Um, we would leave sometime. Our goal was to leave by midnight. Um, most of the time, we left between midnight and 1, and that was just my Sunday. And by the way, he's an answered prayer because he's just volunteered to be over a production and band. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. You may change your mind. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I just didn't see that. As a matter of fact, in the church I was serving in, they, uh, they contacted me, asked me, told me that they would like to, you know, I'd been nominated to be considered as a deacon. So I sat down with our head of deacons, and he said, you know, the first thing that you need to know is all of our deacons tithe. And I said, well, the first thing you need to know is you need to take me off the list. Um, <laughs> I, I can't afford to tithe. I can't pay the bills. I can't tithe. And so they took me off the list, and, and I was good with that. Um, a few months later, I found out that my wife at that time, I was married for 28 years. Uh, my wife died from, from cancer. Um, that was in 2011. But a few months later, I found out that she had been tithing behind my back. Wasn't happy about that. <laughs> so basically I thought, okay, you know what? God, I'll give you 3%. You say to test you on this, I'll give you three. We'll see what happens. So I started tithing 3%. Wasn't long after that that I got a little notice in the mail from one of my several credit cards, which was part of the problem, mm -hmm. uh, that they were going to raise my interest rate. I was not happy, so I called them. During the conversation, before the conversation was over, they lowered my interest rate. <laughs> I hung up and thought that was weird. That is weird. Um, a little while later, I decided, okay, God, if you're gonna if you're gonna play that way, I'll just do a little more. So I bumped it to four, and then to five, <laughs> and you know, I came in one day and there was a hundred dollar bill rolled up and tucked inside my the door frame. To this day, I have no idea where that came from. Um, there was just a series of things that started happening. And every time I would give a little more, God would show out a little more. And so finally when I got to about 6%, I thought, okay, enough of this. I'm going to 10. <laughs> so I went to my 10%, right? Since that day, I have never been unable to pay my bills. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that I'm rolling in money or have a lot of money, but all of my needs are met financially. Uh, and he's just continued to bless. Um, yeah, see, and a lot of times people will hear that and they'll be like, well, it's true for them, but not for me. What you've just done is you've increased a lie, created a huge gain, and then you've taken a testimony that's true, that's real, and you've just kind of like diminished it to a to, to barely any decibels. And so this, this lie is going to be like, well, it's, it's true for them, not for me. And maybe you're here today in the, and you're in a situation financial where you're like, I just cannot. This is just, I can't do it. And, and it, like what he was saying is that, right, it was not like all of a sudden money started growing on trees, even though he got some here and there 
from different people. Because, I mean, I've experienced that. I know every person who has given and who trusts God in, in, in their finances, I know that God shows up in ways it's just mind-blowing. And then when you do, when you do become in the part, part, of it, part of that way, when, you know, change your way of living and live it, live it in that way, then all of a sudden God places people on your heart to bless random Sundays, different people. And, and, and then those people are then the beneficiaries of the blessed life that you're experiencing. Um, so, so I just want to kind of encourage and challenge, not just to say, okay, God, I need some more money, so I'm going to tithe. You know, it's, but there is going to be some, some gains and losses in our life where we have to readjust this principle that's in Scripture about giving, about being generous, and what kind of God we serve. Amen. Amen. Preacher, yeah. All right. Next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the biggest loss that I ever went through was the death of my wife. Um, it, it was a battle for f- almost five years. Uh, she was an, an incredibly godly woman, a prayer warrior, uh, very positive, uh, an amazing lady. Never lost faith. Never questioned God during that time. She didn't. I did. She didn't. Uh, I didn't lose faith, but I ask why a lot. Before any growth in, in anything, just our, our normal physical growth as we grow taller, obviously not Sergio, but <laughs> as, as, as most of us grow during our adolescent years, <laughs> just remember you started it, bro. Uh, <laughs> as we grow, we, we go through growing pains, right? Joints hurt, tendons stretch, things like that, and, and it, it, it can hurt, and any type of growth hurts. During that time, I got closer to the Lord during that battle. Afterwards, in my darkest times, I got closer to the Lord. Did it hurt? Yes. Was there growth? Yes. Had I not experienced that loss, I would have never met Jonna, who is now the love of my life. Uh, I won't be sitting here today. I would still be in East Tennessee. Um, I wouldn't still be teaching. I would have retired. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's a gain out of loss. Uh, and when we go through loss, we have two choices. We can blame God or we can trust God and turn to him. That's our two choices. Wow. Why do you think a lot of people th- seem to th- throw in the towel in those really critical and difficult moments in their lives? You know, as, as Christians, we do a lot of praying about, well, God, what, you know, whatever your will is, whatever your will is, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And that goes really well up until the time that my will doesn't match God's will. <laughs> And all yeah. of a sudden, it, it's like, that, that can't be your will, God, because that's, that's not what I want. And 
for lack of a better description, too many times, and, and I, I include myself on this, I'm like a spoiled child. When I don't get what I want, I want to turn and stomp away. Hmm. But it's not about my will. It's about his will. Uh, wow. I mean, how, how many times growing up did we want something and our parents say no, not give it to us, and we were mad and we stomped away only to sometime, and maybe years later, look back on it and go, ooh, I'm glad they didn't let me do that. And we weren't happy about it at the time. But later on, then we see their wisdom and their love for us. And the same thing goes with, with the Father. There are times when I just I don't see that as being, that's not what I want and that can't be right. But then looking on it, back at it later on, well, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for, for not letting that happen the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Kind of reminds me of this concept of being childish versus childlike. Childish is like, you know, you stump away when things don't go your way like this. And you love God today, and then you hate him two hours from now. Then you love him again. Kind of reminds us of our kids. Um, it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, but then we are called to be childlike, not childish. And childlike is always having this awe and reliance on your parents to really be there and come through and, and, and hold you whenever things don't turn out the way you want and discipline you when you need to be disciplined. Um, it reminds me of Jesus' time um, before he, uh, his Passion Week, you know, where he was like, God, take this cup away from me, but it's not my will, but yours be done. In that moment where, where even Jesus demonstrated that there was some tension with his human form and God's will, and it was in this moment of his greatest pain. Because that's when we really question God's faithfulness, God's love, God's um, destiny for our lives. We question everything. Everything kind of gets dropped on the line. Um, I want you to share... This is where, what I really want, want you to talk about. Um, the moment in your life when you went through that few-day um, journey that um, really put you in a place of fine-tuning all the different voices and things in your life. How about the 18-inch journey? Yes, sir. So a couple of years ago, I had the privilege to go to what is called the adult 18-inch journey retreat. Uh, it's run by Jonathan and Melissa Helzer. Uh, I know the worship team. You, you know them, whether you know them or not. Uh, that's where songs like Ain't No Grave. Ain't No Grave. Molly uh, Skaggs wrote that. She, she's there. Uh, they have a place in Sophia, North Carolina, uh, which if you blink, you will miss. Uh, <laughs> literally, I mean, the only way you know you're in Sophia is if you see the post office, which is about a quarter of the size of this room. Um, they have a 52-acre farm out in the country. Um, they have a school each year that goes for 60 days. 
it's I think now for 21 to 27 year olds I think it's a 60 day discipleship uh, worship creative school uh, my daughter attended it the first year out of college uh, she uh, went back as a phase two which is six month school then an intern now she's on staff there their 60 day school uh, for that particular age group then they have other retreats and and things during the year. And one of those is this 18-inch adult retreat. If I remember right, it was started on Thursday night and, and went through Sunday morning. Applied for the school, was accepted. There's 32 people. They have 32 students at the school because that's basically how much room they have to house people. Uh, same thing with the adult retreat. There were about 32 of us there. Wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, well, you have to let him know. So he's, at this point, he's, all the things that he's done, he's also at that point already, an, weren't you an associate pastor? Uh, executive pastor. An executive right. pastor as well. So he's very, like, you know, theologically kind of grounded and, and hopefully sound-minded. <laughs> yeah, that's why I did this. <laughs> there are some, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so he's not just like, you know, ha, you know kind of like whatever coming into an environment. This is someone who's like, like a lot, like probably a lot of Christians, like they have, they're really grounded in a lot of the things of, of Christ and scripture and prayer and, and faith and belief. That's really, to me, like that's, that's part of the, like the big, big part of your story of, of okay. go ahead, so yeah. Can I go ahead, Mario? Yes, yes, sir. Okay, thank you. <laughs> As I'm going, just before I go to the retreat, um, was diagnosed with cancer. And that was the second time. <laughs> Lucky me. Whew. Um, and I was a wreck. Uh, just an absolute wreck going in. And I'm thinking the whole time, okay, so God, you've lined this up for me to go and for people to pray over me and heal me. And basically what I did is I automatically went from, wanting, from what God wanted to all about me. And I got there. The first thing they do when, at the retreat, we had a dinner that night. And they do this with their school as well. Each staff member is given a person who's coming. And they start praying for you. And they start asking what God wants them to say over you. They put a lot of time and effort into it. And then you're sitting there and somebody comes up and reads over you, stands there and reads this declaration of what God has, has put on their heart for you about being there. And it's a very humbling experience. At the end of the retreat, you write a declaration. Uh, you spend time with God and, and you write your own declaration. During the retreat, it became very evident, very quick that why I thought God was sending me to this was not why I was there. Uh, I was there I don't want to say reestablished because that sounds like a, a broken and didn't have a relationship with God. That wasn't the case. But to step into God the Father, not just as God, but God my Father. Um, and to build that relationship. Um, one thing that happened when I was there, I was, was talking to, to one of the gentlemen there, uh, actually Jonathan's dad, Ken, 
incredibly godly man. We'd sit there and talk for a few minutes, and I left. And as I rounded a corner, I mean, obviously, the whole cancer thing is still in my mind. For whatever reason, I looked up. And a lot of clouds in the sky, but there was this one huge hole with just brilliant blue sky shining through. It wasn't, no one else would have heard it had they been standing next to me. But in my mind, loud enough that it literally buckled my knees. Had I not been standing next to a fence to grab hold, I would have probably gone down. Not because I'm old, but <laughs> just, just to clear that up, thank you. Uh, just this booming in my mind, the word hope. And like I said, it buckled me. And at that moment, I knew, no matter what, I have hope, relax, listen to the Father. Tune that out, listen to what the Father had for me that week. My daughter, a few years ago, my daughter's very creative. She's an incredibly talented writer. And she had gotten had got me into writing. And during that time, during that weekend, the whole point that God laid on my heart was, you're to write. And you're to write for me. Let me work through you. One of the big things at the, at the farm, very big on creativity, we're created in the image of God. Right? We all agree with that. We're created in the image of God. And God created us and the heavens and the earth. God is a creator. If we are created in his image, we are creative. Now, you may be sitting there right now going, I can't create anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you can. You just haven't found it. I never considered myself to be a writer. Uh, and all of a sudden, there it is. And I, I can sit here and tell you that I don't know that I feel closer to God when I'm sitting there writing, no matter what I'm writing. It's during that time of being creative that I feel closer to God than any other time. Uh, so, there you go. Why do you think that in that moment word like hope kind of became even more real to you than hope that you've heard previously they you know it's like yes hope hope but in that moment all of a sudden it has more weight than than, than it typically did why do you think you know there's a big difference in And having someone, your friends, your family, other people come up to you when you're struggling with something like that and come up and say, you know, just, just you know, hang in there, you know, have, have faith, have hope, you know, it's, it's all going to be good. Yeah. Um, but to hear the voice of God speak it, that's the next level. That's a whole nother level of 
Okay, I can have that. Mm. He just gave me hope. Wow. You guys catch what he just said? That that's that's so so powerful. Um, we actually have designed our walk with God to always hear from other people on God's behalf. And for seasons and for certain things, that's fine to do. But the next step in our relationship is not just to hear from God through other people. And what Rusty's saying is that you get to the point where God himself is actually speaking these things to you, not through any individual person. And that amplifies the truth that you and I may have heard for years and years and years in church through pastors, through worship songs. And I think this is what's so powerful is whenever sometimes like we'll sing a song or whatever, and, you know, and you, you come in and you're like, ah, oh, this is a nice tune, and you're enjoying the song, and then you look over over there, and someone's completely wrecked by it. There is something else that is transpiring a deeper communication, even from the words, the same words that we're all hearing, that's like God's like breathing into their spirit. And that's what gives us that unshakable ground that we're standing on, that anchor that the world can look at you and say, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And in reality, you, 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 you can also say, I don't get it either. I don't, I don't know, just when God does it, he does it. Um, so, Joe, one other thing. It goes right back to what you were talking about a minute ago with the soundboard. It's what, what do we give, what do we jack up the gain on in our life? What are we hearing? What are we allowing to dominate our thoughts and our, our hearts and our minds? What, 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 everything fights for our attention. And Satan knows he doesn't have to get you out of church. He doesn't have to get you to turn your back on God. He's just got to keep you busy. He's just got to keep you so busy you don't have any time. One of, I never can remember it, in the movie The Black Panther, what's the name of the, the city in the jungle? Uh, Wakanda. 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 The farm is like that. God you, sees you. You, <laughs> you, drive, you drive down this little two-lane country road, you see this little sign that says a place for the heart, which is the, what they call the farm. It's got some roses and stuff grown up over it. You, if you're not looking really careful, you miss it. You turn down a little gravel road to pull into this place. And as you pull down the driveway, there's something, something's different. And it's not because it's some big cathedral or anything like that. There's a field over to the left with a garden and there's some buildings and stuff, but it's, it's, it's just a different feel. And it doesn't take you long to realize <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit. Mm. That the Holy Spirit just hoovers over this land, over this place. It's just, and everything else is just gone. All that noise, all those other things that the, the sliders are jacked up on, those start getting faded down, and their whole thing is that there's one up. Yeah, you have to figure out where's the voice of God and everything else. The voice else of God is down. the only one that's up there. And all of a sudden, 
life is different. You know what? And as we kind of wrap up, and like I said, we're just getting started. And the first time I chatted with Rusty, we were at a pie, baked pie place. Shout out. God's hand, God's hand is on that place. God's hand is on that place. God's hand place. Any place you can get a flight of pie, yeah. God's on that. <laughs> Pecan's the best. Uh, the address here is 3867 Asheville. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Very, very, very loud in my life. Um, but the first time I chatted with him, we, we talked for three hours and didn't really blink because I'm saying there's just so much. Um, there's, there's so much to be had conversations with Rusty, uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. And as he was talking about, like, tuning up God's voice, and a lot of times, you know, you know like I said in the beginning, we, we default to, you know, the bad things are loud, so i got to make sure that the good things are loud. But a lot of times even our own ambitions could drown out God's voice. And, but, but here's the thing. Whenever we kind of get to the point in our lives where we just mute or turn everything else down except God's voice, we find that there are channels in our lives that have never been activated. There are things in our life that we've never stepped into because we were, we were, it was drowned out by so many other false and distractional voices in our lives. And it could even be some, some things that are painful or some things that are just, just noise. And God's like, hey, let me, let me, let me show you. So, so then God goes from, from being a channel in our life to being the sound engineer. And when he moves into a sound engineer, all of a sudden, he has access to this and to these. And whenever we allow him to kind of fine-tune our lives, he's going to begin to, um, you know, provide some gains on certain channels and then some losses in other channels, turn up the volume in some areas, turn down the volumes in some en- uh, areas, eliminate some of the channels in your lives. Maybe you, you, maybe you have some channels in your lives where you're like, you don't need to carry those channels anymore. God's going to look at that and he's, he'll be able to, to, to replace them with other things that he has for his children. But this never happens if you just come to church and get in on a fast song and, and, and get motivated by the, the speaking, you know, and, and have lunch and just kind of go back to Monday and be normal. You know, that, that, that's in sync with God actually changes everything about your life. It changes everything, how you interact, where you go, how you proceed, even to be successful financially with your career, with your family, with your calling. God's going to begin to fine-tune things. I mean, talk about like doors opening, doors closing. Doors opening, doors closing. And God is a master sound engineer. He's a master. He makes everything sound good. Um, I want to, as you wrap up and the band comes up, um, I'm going to have uh, Rusty pray, and we're actually going to release our pastoral care team as well. First of all, Father, we just want to express how much we love you. And we know when you look out after us, there, there are times that, that we don't like what you say. But that's not a surprise to you. And, Father, we thank you for sticking there with us through our, our temper tantrums and our, our spoiled, childish manners at sometimes. But you're right there with us. You never abandon us. Father, we ask that you help us to, to tune down those other things that, are, that fight for our attention. There's so many things in our world today that just demand our nonstop attention. Father, we ask that you help us to, to give you control 
not to try to take control of it ourselves. Because we'll slide right back to, to old habits and old ways. But, Father, we ask that you take control over what we hear, what we focus on. That we tune those things out so that we can hear your voice. That we can see you in, in, in all creation. That we can see you in a creative manner. and We can see you in, in inspiring us to, to come closer to you. Father, I will never forget that single word. Hope booming through my mind. Father, I, I ask today that if there are people here who need to hear that word, that, that you blast it into their minds like you blasted it into mine so that they can look at you and love you the way that you love us. Father, these things I ask in your son's name. Amen.